Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And today I have Charles Gaudette on the podcast. He is, by every level and measure of success, he is the man. He's done incredible things. You'll hear it in his bio when you listen to the podcast. Uh, but just an incredibly service-focused individual who has done incredibly well in his life. And he has so many golden nuggets he drops throughout this episode. And we're going to talk deeply about failure. No one likes to fail. We're all told that we shouldn't fail. When we take tests in school, it's all about getting A pluses and being perfect. And that's bullshit when it comes to life, when it comes to business. And we're going to unpack that for you and talk about something that has been one of his core drivers and how he's been able to be so successful. He started his first business at age four. And then he talks about how he became a multi-million dollar company by the age of 24 years old. And the way he drops nuggets in here, guys, definitely download this one and get ready to listen because this is going to be going and get your notebook out. You might grab a couple of nuggets that can help change your life. So listen on. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And today, my guest is the author of Predictable Profits Playbook, the entrepreneur's guide to dominating any market and staying on top, and the host of the Beyond Seven Figures podcast. He's regarded in entrepreneurial circles as one of the top coaches for helping entrepreneurs surpass the seven and eight figure mark. Yahoo Finance refers to him as the CEO whisperer. And uh, he's been an entrepreneur since the age of four, creating his first multi-million dollar business at the age of 24, and has helped others generate millions with his strategies. He's received numerous awards and has his business advice featured all around the world, including Forbes, Salesforce, Success, Entrepreneur, and Fox News, as well as on podcasts and radio. He was named uh, one of America's geniuses, top 50 industry influencers, and when he's not doing all that amazing stuff, he also trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He has two gold medal finishes and has three-time wrestling state champion. He lives in New Hampshire with his beautiful wife and three adorable kidpreneurs, which I really love that, and one badass dog. So Charles Gaudet, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will say, actually, this is my fault. Since that bio was written, I have moved from New Hampshire over to Florida. So, uh Oh, perfect. Sunny, Get away from those winters. Sunny Florida. <laughs> so I'm still thawing out over here in the 100-degree weather. Oh my goodness, I bet, right? So you go from the mountains to the palm trees, but we were talking before the show, there's something about palm trees that just open up your soul and make it a beautiful uh, experience, isn't for it? For sure, for sure. I love it. Yeah. So today, what I'd love to get into, you've done so many things. Um, I'd love to, the topic today is getting into failure, right? As business owners, as men specifically, we fail all the time. I'll admit it right away. I fail daily, but so often we're told not to talk about that. And, I, and, and we're that if we would say it, that we'd seem weak or stupid or, or foolish or whatever it might be. So I'd love to dig deeper into that. But before we get into that, I want to know, what were you doing at age four when you started the business? Tell me about that. So some people say that entrepreneurs are born. Uh, for me, that it was definitely not the case. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. He worked every waking hour of every day. And uh, when I got to see him, he would say, kid, if you ever want to make it in your life, you got to be an entrepreneur. So yeah. as a kid, I wanted to get my dad's approval. So I started selling artwork to my neighbors. And from there, I just got the entrepreneurial bug and uh, just continued building, growing businesses and, and so forth from there. I love it. I love it. It's, it's funny because when I saw this come up in your bio, I'm thinking, man, at age five, I was running around with my little red, my little red <laughs> um, uh, radio flyer wagon, collecting cool rocks out of the neighboring fields and selling them at my parents' garden centers for a dollar a piece. Right. So right. I was like, hmm, was there something back there? So when I see you're at four starting this out, th there is something deep inside, right? You're like, I can do this. This, is, this isn't going to be crazy. You know, the and funny thing is though, you, when you mentioned failure... One of my first most memorable 
hardest failures actually happened when I was four. Really? Tell, tell us about that. So I, I had this idea, I'm going to create yes. artwork for my neighbors. And so my philosophy was if I could just produce as much artwork as fast as possible and go to my neighbors that they would ultimately give me money and I'd come home with a pocket full of coins at the time. Right. And so I just started making artwork. I dropped them all into a bag, went knocking one neighbor's house after another. And sure enough, here I am, this little kid starting a business and most neighbors turned around and they gave me 50 cents, which is what I was asking for, for my artwork. Mm -hmm. And then I got to Mrs. Hersey's house and Mrs. Hersey stood there and she looked at it and she said, Charlie, is that your best work? Be honest. Ooh. And I looked at it and I was like, um, no. And she said, I don't think that's worth 50 cents. And I looked at her and I could feel the blood rushing into my face as I was getting embarrassed. I literally, I still remember feeling my heartbeat in my face going, what is happening to me? I was so embarrassed by this. Yeah. And she said, um, I won't pay you the 50 cents. And she said, to me, that looks like a bunch of scribbles. And the most I will pay you is three cents for this. Would you accept three cents? So I said, okay, I'll take three cents. And that was the last sale I made that day. And I went home and I said, never again will I just make scribbles. Because wow. that was such an embarrassing, painful moment because I didn't realize how important it was for me to put out a real quality product. Instead, what I felt mm -hmm. was that and they still teach it in B-School, funny enough, is that the purpose of a business is to make money, you know, to increase shareholder value. So I didn't look at the product or the service. Instead, I looked at what well, I'm going to make money. I'm just going to put whatever it is out there to make money. And that worked until it didn't. And then after that, I realized I will never make scribbles again. I love that. And boy, did Miss Hersey teach you a life lesson. <laughs> really powerful. That's a great incredible. one. A great one. The knowledge that she passed down to you in that one moment was, wow. It's incredible how those things craft our lives, right? How they sculpt how we go and where we go. And that was, that was really very good. Sometimes it takes us until we're in our thirties or forties to figure that out. Right. right. So. Well, and it's also important because if Mrs. Hersey wasn't honest with me, yeah, if she didn't have the courage to give me feedback in a very constructive way, then I may have continued my entrepreneurial career focused on just putting out scribbles and hoping everybody else would pay. And while they would pay, yeah. they would turn around and they would throw it in the trash as soon as the door closed. Yeah. But today we live in a very small world. People talk and reviews are shared globally. You can't afford to put out scribbles. You have to put out your best work all the time. And you can't look at business as a function of just creating shareholder value. You have to look at it in a different way and say, you get paid in proportion to the value that you provide others. So how are you yes. going to add more value? And through adding value, then you'll get paid more. So it was an important lesson that if she didn't have the courage to tell me, then I may not be where I am today. I love it. I love it. Have you ever told her that story? No, I haven't, but uh, that probably would be a, a fun story to share one of these days. Absolutely. If she's still with us to, uh, to just sit her down and say, you have no idea how much impact came from that one moment in my life and how it still sits in my heart. And it's, it's awesome how that's how that guides you. Now, so let's, let's jump up here, multi-million dollar business at 24. Most of us are just trying to figure out business in general and trying to make ends meet. How do you go to a multi-million dollar business at 24? I would say, you know, I've found an opportunity and you know, the long and short of it is I worked hard and then made a few very smart strategic moves that went ahead and, and create that multi-million dollar business. Um, you know, you talk about failure. And when I was in college, uh, the books that I would read were all about success. And I would just constantly surround myself with books on, on how to become successful and all that other jazz. But there was one book that actually resonated well with me. Now, I remember before... Trump got all this controversy around him and everything else. You know, I read The Art of the Deal, but his book was 
written in terms of, I am so smart, I am so brilliant, and I did this, and I'm so smart, and I'm so brilliant, and I did this. And as a, as a, as a young man with a lot of learning disabilities and so forth, that was very intimidating to me. And, and I wasn't sure that I would be able to bridge the gap and become the man that I wanted to become. But then I read mm. Richard Branson's autobiography known as uh, Losing My Virginity. And in Richard Branson took a different spin. Instead of saying, I am so smart, look at me, and I did this deal, and I did that deal, Richard Branson said, look, I have learning disabilities too. And, and I'm, the short and sweet of it is, look, the only reason why I'm a billionaire and other people aren't is because I failed more than other people. I just put myself mm -hmm. in a position to be willing to fail more than others. I was just crazy enough to keep getting back up on my feet. And to this day, he still talks about how failure happens to him every day. The only difference is now it's public and his failures are much bigger and carry a lot more zeros mm. behind it. Yes. But he's still willing to fail. And for me, you know, starting that multi-million dollar business was less about um, the business itself. And there were, of course, a lot of strategies and stuff that went in, but it was the courage to be willing to take action and to take consistent, imperfect action over and over and over and over again. And then as you take action, eventually you begin to look at, okay, this didn't work and then this worked. And then you start doing more of what works and less of what didn't work. And progressively, that's how that company ended up having one of the highest profit margins in the entire industry. And we know that because mm. the accountant, partner of a big Boston accounting firm showed up at my front door because he said, I don't understand, what are you doing? Because he works with all these gray-haired gray older guys, and back then I'm 24, and I didn't know that I was doing anything different. But he said, uh -huh. what are you doing differently? Because I can't figure this out. And when I shared it with him, he, you know, he was like, wow, I, I uh, didn't even know that. That's the difference between just taking action and just doing it and doing mm -hmm. it and learning what's working and what's not working versus, um, I guess, uh, just trying to make things perfect every time without failing. So what kind of business was it? So back then it was a real estate development business. Okay. And what w one of the strategies that we used was we formed partnerships. Most people, they turn around and they go, if you're going to build a home, you build a home and then you sell the home and you walk away. I sat there and I looked at it and I go, man, these people need so much. They need furniture. They need televisions. They need home theaters. They need alarms. They need uh, um, driveway seal coating and all this other stuff. So I reached out to every person that I could think of that these people could do business with. And I said, look, I have a bunch of homeowners. They're going to need these services. In order for me to introduce them to you, though, I need to make sure that they're going to get an advantage that they wouldn't get just walking in off the street. So I want to make sure that they're winning here. If you can give them a discount of some sorts or, or a bonus, that would be great. And so they offered to do that. And I said, in exchange, though, because I paid to initially acquire, the, acquire this client and you don't have to pay to acquire a client, I'd like a small percentage of the revenue mm -hmm. that you bring in as a result. And they agreed. And... Week after week after week after week, we were getting checks in the mail. And it did, they just came in. And so we would deposit the checks. And that's when the accountant said, I just don't understand what the heck is happening right now because you're <laughs> making all this extra money, but from where I need to make sure, like, is this legal? Yeah. And when we told him what we were doing, he was like, my God, that's, a, you know, that was, that was brilliant, but it happened by accident. It just so happened yeah. by asking different questions and trying to serve at a higher level, like all of them need furniture, all of them need this and that. Well, why don't I find a way to give them an advantage? And then all of us can win. The furniture yes. company can win, the client can win, and I can win. And that worked out incredibly well. And then we rolled that into another business and another and another and another. And uh, then eventually somebody offered to pay me to help them grow their company. And that's when we started Predictable Profits. Dude, I love that. I love you seeing a way to, to add massive value to people in a, in a space otherwise that was a vacuum. And that's, that's the secret to everything out there, guys, is finding that 
that value add, it's always about value first. It's always about higher values. It's not about how can I take advantage of them more? It's how can I help them more? And in that helping becomes your value. So I was actually over the weekend, I was in a mastermind and uh, there were CEOs there that were doing anywhere from 20 million to several hundred million dollars. And um, one guy stood up and he said something and I wrote it down because I thought it was so powerful. Um, and he said, when your purpose is to serve, no one can compete with you. And I Ooh. was like, Amen. wow. And he was one of those that sold and exited his company for a, a bazillion dollars, lots and lots of money. But he gave Ooh. away his secret, which was, you know, when your purpose is to serve, no one can compete with you. But let's think about this for a second, Joshua. So have you ever heard mm -hmm. of Darwin's survival of the fittest? Yes. And so Darwin's survival of the fittest at its very raw nature, natural sort of um, understanding, people generally tend to think what that means is if you're the biggest, toughest animal in the forest that you're going to turn around and you're going to survive and it's the weak animals because they're not strong, because they're not tough, that they end up dying off. And that's really how we've connected case. the dots between Darwin's survival of the fittest. Yeah. But then Buckminster Fuller looked at it a little bit differently. And he said, actually, it's not that. What it is, is that it's the animal that aids to the survival of the other animals. That the other animals realize that this one animal is helping them survive and get more of what they want. So they conspire around each other to make sure that that one animal thrives and survives. So you look at the big lion, the lion, the king of the, of the jungle, the main pride leader is the one that protects the pride. Somebody comes in from, you know, another area, that big lion will be there to protect the pride. So the rest of the pride conspires to make sure that lion is protected and survives. They let them have the first bit of food to eat and the first water and the whole deal. Now let's bring that into life. If you're the business owner that finds ways to help people get more of what they want, whether that's more money, more freedom, more love, more, um, you know, feeling better about themselves, more confidence, more whatever that is. If you give them more of what they want and they realize that the more they do business with you, the better the results that they get, then they feel this, they feel a drive and a need to share with others. And then they want to do business more with you. And then they want, they become fans and they write re positive reviews and they do all this stuff. All because you decided to focus on helping them get more of what they want. Yes. And that's Darwin's survival of the fittest from a professional standpoint. Does that make sense? Dude. Hundred percent, dude. I mean, you're 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 preaching it, and I love it because it's so true. It's so 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 true. You know, so often we start businesses thinking it's all about just trying to make as much money to cover bills and do all that, and you eventually get into this transactional game, right, where it's just about numbers and volume and all that, and the heart leaves, right, the service leaves. You just your definition of service is what's the least amount of work I need to do to get the most amount of money. Sure, and that is not going to last long. And in your point about focusing on uh, being a servant, you know, serve the people as best as you can. You won't have competition because most don't think that way. And you know what? God's all given us different gifts, right? My philosophy is that God has given us gifts and our, our, it's our duty throughout our lives to uncover those and discover those gifts and to give them away sure. and to share them with as many people as possible, right? So in that, that's the servant side of things, right? So when you're when you're talking through this, man, you're just making the hair on my back of my neck stand. I'm like, he gets it. He gets it. It's so nice to see. Oh my goodness. I hope the people out there listening are just getting a piece of what Charles is talking about here. It is just so powerful, man. With that in your heart and your in your soul, there's just no mountain that's too high to climb because you're you're only focused on service. It's an incredible, incredible thing. So let's think about this for a minute, right? For the entrepreneurs and the business owners that are listening right now or the people that want to eventually start a business. If you look at it and you say, my objective is just to make money for myself. You're going to find that you just, you just make enough money for yourself. But if you oh, say, actually, I want to make enough money for my family and make an impact on my family, then you're going to find that the revenue that you bring in and the income you bring home is going to be bigger. 
then if you change your perspective and say, I want to make an impact on my community, you'll find that you get paid again, proportion of the value that you bring. And then eventually it's my state and then it's my region and then it's my country and my world. But now let's look at the billionaires today. If we look at Elon Musk, if, um, if we look at Bezos, if we look at Branson and Zuckerberg and they go even beyond the planet and they're looking at space. Elon Musk wants to Ooh. colonize Mars. So, yeah. um, you know, this was a hybrid philosophy between uh, Dr. John D. Martini and Tony Robbins, as I, you know, traveled and learned with both of them, is that um, you could tell the size of the person by the size of the problems that they're trying to solve. Right. And so even Mother Teresa had millions and millions of dollars behind her because she was looking to end world hunger. If you look at the Dalai Lama, has millions and millions right. and millions of dollars behind him because he's looking to to bring peace. And so big people have big problems. Small people have small problems. If you want to play a bigger game, then look to solve bigger problems. I could just do a mic drop right there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Holy moly. You're so right with that. And it's, it's all about that focus and where you're putting your, your focus on. Is it just about me? Is it just about making enough for me? Or are you looking to change the world with what you're doing? Sure. You know, because once you start changing your target, the world changes, right? And, and you know, the, the crazy part is, Charles, and I don't know if this has been your journey, but I know it's been mine where, you know, I might want things. I might want to increase the size of my company, grow the, the team, do all this, serve at a higher level. But then I get stopped and I'm thinking like, man, I, I just don't know how to do it. Like, how, how do I how do I make that happen? Like, I don't know how to do it. I'll read a book. I'll go to a seminar. It might help out a little bit, but there's this, there's this component that's missing. And what I found was the, the trick to it all was to get a mentor, yeah. get a coach, someone who's been there before, right? Why would you not want to compress decades into days, right? It, why would you not want to ride on the, the, on the shoulders of giants when they can teach you in a few days, you could take a lifetime to learn. Sure. And to see how it's possible, what's possible out there, it absolutely blows your mind when you start seeing what is possible. And then you might not be the man today that can run a $10 million, $100 million company. But like I said, today, you're not there yet. It's the journey that we're after. It's not the destination. It's the person you become in that journey. You know this. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I want the listeners to listen. It's the person you become in that transformation, in that journey that is the goal. So all the struggles, all the failures, they are all amazing. Like Tony always says, you know, problems are the gifts we grow from. Bring me your nastiest, hairiest problems. Yeah. Because the more you are willing to face them head on every single time and not run from them because they're scary and nasty and they've got fangs and all this kind of stuff. If you're willing to just face them head on, the next thing you know, yeah, they don't, they're not nearly as scary as you think. And then you get the, you get the reps in and you get the confidence yep. in and pretty soon those problems are now upgraded to new problems. And you yep. know what? People listening, no one has no problems unless you're dead, right? <laughs> when you're in a graveyard, then you don't have any more problems. But when it comes to life, I don't care where you are. And I'd love to hear your perspective on this, Charles. I don't care where you are in your, your journey, whether you're just starting out in business, whether you've already made it, whether your family's financially secure, wherever you are, every single day you're going to face challenges. Yep. The question is, are you going to face them face head on or are you going to try to avoid them and play the victim that these things are always happening to you, not for you? That's the powerful shift in mindset that it takes to go to the next level. So Charles, I'd love for you to jump into there. So interestingly enough, uh, very early on in my career, um, I thought that I wanted to get rid of all my problems and I just kept running away from my problems and, and so forth. And then I, you know, it got to a point where the stress was so high that uh, it ended up, I ended up in the hospital. I was in the ER, my organs were shutting down. Um, the doctor told me I was, you know, effectively dying because my organs were shutting down. And there's a whole host of reasons why that was happening between the lack of sleep and not eating right. And, and the stress was enormous. Um, and so at that point uh, is when I decided that I needed somebody to help me through what I was dealing with. And I, I went to go hire Tony Robbins and I, uh, 
between my wife and I, we invested over a quarter million a year just traveling the world studying from Tony. And that was mm-hmm. when, you know, Tony brought perspective to me where he, where he had said, he was asking me about my problems and I unleashed on him and I was like, well, what about this? And what about this? And blah, blah. And he goes, Charlie, let me ask you a question. What do you think Richard Branson would think about those? Do you think Richard Ugh. Branson would lose even one second of sleep over any one of those problems? And I was like, no, probably not. But why do you ask? He goes, I'm just trying to size you up and see what size person you are. Because big people have big problems. Small people have small problems. And the thing uh, that I learned over time and then, you know, studying, you know, decamillionaires and uh, billionaires and so forth is that they don't look at problems as something that is bad. If their problem isn't big enough, they actually create bigger problems for themselves. Nobody told Elon Musk that he had to colonize Mars. He created that problem for himself. And then to put extra pressure on himself, he decided, I am going to publicly disclose that to everybody in the world rather than keep that to myself and quietly work with my team to see if we can make it happen before we tell everybody that we made it happen. He said, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to do this. The same thing with his rockets and whatnot. He said, I'm going to do this. And everybody said, you're crazy. You're nuts. And they made fun of him and yada, yada, yada. But he goes, it doesn't matter. I'm going to blow up a lot of rockets on my way to success. And he created big problems and he was open to the criticism and he was open to people hating him and so forth. Versus little old me back in my 20s, I wanted everybody to like me and I didn't want to deal with any problems. And then as I evolved through life and as I studied those that were far more successful than I was, I realized that problems are actually our greatest opportunities. And rather than run away from them, instead, the greatest tool in my arsenal is gratitude. We're running Mm. into a situation right now where there was a fraud attack on on one of our companies. And um, they ran $411 million of attacks through uh, our company. And that cost an enormous amount of money. And so my initial response is, why is this happening for me? Why is this happening for me? And my team and everybody around me, they're saying, why aren't you more stressed? And I said, because this is an opportunity that has been given to us for one particular reason. I just need to figure out why is this happening for us? In fact, better question is, why is this the best thing that could happen to me right now and in the moment? And the same thing happened with COVID in 2020 when our clients came to us and they go, oh my gosh, what's happening right now? You know, should I close down my business? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we were working with people in all industries, the travel industry, the restaurant industry, agencies, and so forth. And I said, I can help you. But first, I need you to answer this question. Why could be this? Why could this be the best thing in the world to happen to you right now? Most of them thought I was smoking the wacky tobacco and it didn't make any sense. Yes. But until they started coming up with solutions, then we were able to help them. And 86% of all my clients during 2020 had the best years that they had ever had. And that's because when we look at problems and we see it as a problem, our brains are going to support every reason why we should fail and every reason why it's not going to work and the whole deal. But when we change our mindset and we say, why could this be one of the greatest opportunities in the world for us? And all of a sudden we start supporting every reason and every opportunity there. Now, you would think that what I'm saying is philosophy or theory, but it's actually rooted all the way back down into science. Dr. John Demartini said, if you look at the smallest observable molecule ever, you'll notice that there's two sides. There's a positive and there's a negative side. Then as you continue to look at bigger and bigger and bigger things, there's always a positive and a negative. Everything goes into cycles. There's no straight line that's ever been observed in the universe ever. Even economic cycles cycle from up and down. 
Weather patterns, yesterday's deserts were today's rainforest. There's always ups and downs and ups and downs. And so what John pointed out was that, look, you might not see it at the very moment that it's happening, but your greatest challenge is forming an opportunity at, the, at equal magnitude at this exact same time. And so big problems, big opportunities, small problems, small opportunities. And so we said this whole philosophy that the Chinese have talked about, that yin yang, is he has proven it scientifically. In fact, his docu- his science is in a scroll and I think it's underneath the Capitol building in DC or something like that because it is so powerful. And so he said, so the yin yang, most people overlook the most important part of the yin yang. Can you guess what it is, Joshua? I do not. I can, I guess. No, good. It's the line in the middle. The line Ooh. in the middle that connects the black and the white. Do you know why that's so powerful? I don't. That's because that's where gratitude is. That's the central, that is the central part of the yin yang. If you stay right in the center, that's where you're most powerful. He said, most people think that love is the most powerful emotion, but love is on one extreme. Most people think that hatred, or some people think hatred is the most powerful emotion, but hatred is on another extreme. But if you really want to truly be an incredibly powerful person and keep yourself centered, the, mo- the centered emotion that doesn't put you on one extreme or another extreme, that centered emotion is gratitude. That has become the most powerful tool in my arsenal, both in business and in personal life. So we talk about failure. We fail all the time. If you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. But when it happens, it's now become habit for me where I'll sit back and I'll find myself repeating, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, who I'm thanking, sometimes I don't even know. <laughs> I, it's just right. become this habit. And what, what goes on when you start in this place of gratitude is you're not reacting. You're not reacting and, ah, I got to do this and ah, ah, I got to do this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or on the flip side, woohoo, look at this, boom. And then you take your eye off the ball. Yeah. When you stay centered in gratitude, you're powerful and you can see everything. So if there's one thing, One thing at all that our listeners take from today's conversation is finding that tool of of gratitude. Whether you have a windfall profit or a debilitating loss, to find yourself back in this place of gratitude. Because every challenge comes with an equal opposite opportunity. But what many people fail to recognize is even the biggest opportunities that you get come with it in the equal and opposite challenge. Sometimes you just don't see them happening at the same time. Yeah. Holy moly, dude, I practically have a tear over here. <laughs> Man, you're, <laughs> you're preaching it. I'm loving it. And I hope the listeners are getting the power in what he's talking about. Now, what I'd love for you to unpack for us is, okay, I get it. I'm listening to this. I hear gratitude's great. I've heard that a hundred times. It's not for me, or my life is too challenging, or I've got way too many things going on. How can I possibly be grateful for the shit sandwich that uh, that I've been given the last few weeks, whatever it might be? So I'm curious to see how you could talk people through that are maybe like the idea of gratitude. How can they implement? How did you implement it into your life? I know you work directly with Tony, um, which is I've done a lot of work with Tony. It's been an yep. incredible journey. You know what I mean? And it's it's unbelievable his work throughout his life. But I'd love the your journey to gratitude. How did you get there? How can you help people listening get there as well? Because listeners, there is no better space to be in when it comes to fulfillment and love and all the pieces together. All the stuff you want more of is all in gratitude. And when you can wire your mind where you can see the opportunities or at least know there's opportunities in every single struggle and say, bring me on more struggles. Some days it's heavy. It doesn't matter if the burden is heavy at times. Now it's a matter of how can we turn that into opportunities constantly. So can you walk us through how you got to gratitude? So my very first experience uh, was unintended. Uh, I was on my, I was uh, in college at the time in Massachusetts. I was on my way up to Vermont with a caravan of vehicles. We were spending the weekend uh, snow skiing. And then just as we crossed the Vermont border, my vehicle breaks down and I need to get towed. Now, 
if I got towed to a shop in Vermont, there was no way I was going to be able to get my car back. All the shops are closed and I wouldn't, I wasn't going to get it back in time. So I realized I have to pay a tow truck to tow my vehicle all the way back to Massachusetts. And I'm going to miss this big ski weekend that I've been looking forward to for so long. Uh -huh. Tow truck driver picks me up. I get in the front seat with him. And the whole time, the vehicle smells terrible of just weed and tobacco mixed together. It was a uh -huh. miserable ride. And at one point, I caught myself saying, thank you. And I remember going, maybe it's the weed that I'm smelling. I'm getting a secondhand <laughs> high, but yeah. what am I thankful for? This is terrible. This is a terrible situation. I, sh I should be mad. But I just kept saying, thank you, and thank you, and thank you. And then I'm laughing at myself. And I'm like, why am I so grateful? And then I get to Massachusetts. It's well after midnight. My dad picks me up, takes me home. The next day, after I wake up, the phone rings. I pick up the phone, and there's this girl on the other side. And she says, look, I figured if you picked up the phone, then it would be worth it. Um, but I, I've really been wanting to talk to you. Um, it's a girl from college, and it was my now wife who mustered up the courage to call me and figured if I picked up the phone, then it was meant to be that we should wow. start dating and everything else. And now here we are 20 years later, three kids, the whole deal. And I'm like, wow, had it not been for that and I didn't pick up, I wonder what would be today. So then I'm assuming that was a landline, right? Because it wasn't a landline. Uh, the cell phones well, were the thing, exactly. So you had to be in the spot. She was using a cell phone back then, but she had one of those big monster cell phones, right? But it was a oh, landline yeah, bricks, for me. Yeah. It was a landline for me. Yeah. So you had um, to be in that building to get that call. Yes. Yep. Perfect. Yep. So, and then the funny thing is that really resonated with me. And after... I forgot about that lesson for a few years and John Martini reminded me of that lesson, but it's like a muscle. The first time you go to practice it, you're not going to believe it. You're going to yeah. say, I shouldn't be thankful for this. This is terrible. I was wronged. I'm not thankful for this. I was wronged. This is not my fault. It has nothing to do with me. Or... I shouldn't be thankful for this economic situation. I shouldn't be thankful for this government policy. I shouldn't be thankful for this audit. I shouldn't be thankful for this and that. It's not my fault. It has nothing to do with me. There's no good that can come of it. I refuse to be thankful. Ugh. But if you're willing to, for a minute, just give it a shot and fight through the every ounce of your body that doesn't want to be thankful and just trust that somehow there will be some good that comes of it then you'll find holy cow hmm there was something good that came of it and then you do it again and then you do it again and then all of a sudden when something hits the fan like this 411 million dollar attack that had i'm grateful and actually feeling good about it because <laughs> I'm like, wow, a challenge that big. I can only imagine the opportunity that has formed at the same time. Yeah. And it's a muscle that you have to be conditioned with and, you know, that you go through over and over and over again. But for those of you who are still thinking that I'm smoking the wacky tobacco, look at where you're at right now. Look at some of the best things that have happened to you right now. If I was a betting man, I would say that you could probably trace it back to an issue, a problem, a failure where you could say, wow, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have made this decision, which <laughs> led me to this person, which brought me to where I am right now. And it could even be an even longer sequence of events. But oftentimes you'll find that your greatest rewards, your biggest blessings have come from a seed of failure or disappointment or whatever or problems 
those are the seed that eventually you could trace your way to your biggest victories, wins, points of happiness, and so forth. Is that the case with you, Joshua? Or is this me being crazy? Though, I mean, Charles, you could not have hit the nail closer and more direct on the head than that. And, you know, it's, I know when I first started out in business, you know, you get your EIN number and the the government says, here's how you pay taxes. The rest is on you, baby. You want to make money? That's fine. You want to lose? That's fine. They don't care. Right. And most of us didn't go to business school and figure all this out. Like we just kind of go out and just get on the streets and start pounding the pavement and see what happens. Right. So with that being the case, you know, we see failures as being expensive or that they will ding our ego because we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. We're just out there. We're just slinging things right. at the wall and seeing what's sticking. Right. So when it comes down to it and you say, you know what, if you see the big guys and they talk openly about their big ideas and then you see, like you said, Elon Musk, how many times did he try to land those those rockets on those floating platforms on the ocean? I mean, who the hell would ever expect that to be a thing? Right. Take a rocket to space, bring it back and land that on a moving platform. Right. Like what? And he's doing it. How many rockets did he blow up to do it? Right. But he didn't care. He's like, well, one, cl- one step closer. Well, one step closer. Yeah. Every, we learned something, didn't we? So every failure to me is a learning opportunity. Yeah. If you choose to call it a failure and call yourself <laughs> a failure, that's an unsolvable problem. Right. And that unsolvable problem is what our brains always want to do for us. They want to create tons of unsolvable problems so that we can stay small and inside of a box so we don't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right? So the reality is we don't have saber-toothed tigers anymore. And when we see uh, failure as learning, it is absolutely necessary to fail to learn. You know, you get on a bike. Most most people don't get on bikes and just ride into the distance and do 100 miles the first day. Usually they fall off. They have training wheels. They brush up their knees. They bust up their elbows. All of that stuff. We all did at the start. Why is life any different? Why is business any different? I think it's because we're afraid that someone might see us and say something like, oh, look, he doesn't know what he's doing. No shit. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing out there. But the ones that are winning are the ones that aren't afraid to do it. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. The difference is they're willing to fail and do it publicly and not give a shit about it because they know they're one step closer to a, to a solution, to the answer. You're right. Failure is an event. Quitting is a choice. It is that simple. If you choose to quit, that is a choice. But if you take failure and, and equate it to quitting, like, oh, I failed, I now I have to quit, I can't keep doing this, then that's a choice you're making. But I fail every single day, Charles, and I'm sure you can say the same thing because if we're not failing, we're not pushing hard enough. Yeah. And there's days that it's freaking heavy. You say, why do I do this? This is insane. It's like your atlas with the world on your shoulders. And you stop and you say, all those problems are going to lead me on my journey to a better destination. I need to learn from those problems. What can I learn from them? And then it shifts the entire weight of those problems into possibility. Yeah. Somebody told me so a while back when I asked, what is the secret to success? They said, you fail your way to success. Yes. I was like, hmm. look at that. And I love that you used the word gratefulness because that is the absolute truth. And when I'm working with guys and they're like, well, all right, I love this idea of being grateful, but I'm always too way too angry. That's my emotional home. I love to go to anger. They don't know it that way yet, but that's really what it is, right? Or they go to worry or they go to, they can't trust people or whatever. And I'm like, all those things are, are your problems. They're in you. They are not out there. Yeah. This is something you've got to work through. That's what Tony Robbins has done such a brilliant job of in the last 40 years is to help people unpack that shit and to figure out that they're not broken. Sure. We're all struggling. We all have these saboteurs in our brains that are telling us that we're just not good enough. Sure. And if we're not good enough, we're not going to be loved. And that's our biggest fears, right? So if we know that, if that's the truth, let's back it up and say, okay, if I can take all that anger and switch it into gratitude, because they can't coexist. You can't be angry and grateful at the same time, right? Tony says this all the time. You can't be angry and grateful. You can't be mad and grateful at the same time. They cancel each other out. So why not just go for the gratefulness, right? Why not just try to find all the value in everything that happens for you, not to you, right? So what I tell my guys, I'm like, look, here's a, here's a challenge. I'm going to challenge the listeners to this as well. If you find what we're talking about here interesting, or it piques your interest a little bit, here's my challenge for you. Take out a piece of paper and write down just three things you're grateful for. Just three things. Because you know what? Your mind will start to see it. They will start to find it. You know, the craziest thing when someone asked me to do this in my beginning of gratefulness, my journey was they said, just write three things down. You do it each day for the next two weeks. Just three things. They can't be the same things. You can't just keep repeating it. You know, the craziest part, Charles, that started to happen. I started looking each day for things to write down. 
right? I started looking around and I'm like, I got to write three things down today by the end of the day because I've made my commitment to doing this. Yep. And now I'm looking around throughout the day. What can I be grateful for? Wait, that guy there just waved me through a, an intersection. It was, you know, it was red as hell. And he said, come on through. Or that one held the door for me. Good, I can write that one down. And then next thing you know, you start finding these things everywhere in the world that always existed around you becomes clear. You start seeing that gratitude. It's always been there. We just never saw it because we chose to focus on the negative or the anger or the worry, whatever yeah. it was. They, they both exist. We just don't see them. But when you shift and start thinking, well, maybe each day I'll write down three things. Maybe this guy isn't crazy, right? It's been, to, just like Charles said, it has been one of the biggest catalysts and pivot points in my life is to go to gratitude. Yeah. And I learned that through Tony Robbins, 100%. I didn't even know that existed until then. I'm like, wait a minute here. So now I have friends that do 10 a day. They're, they're, they're training their mind just like a rep in the gym. They're training their mind to look for all the good. And it is there. Just like all the bad, all the good is right next to it. You just don't look at it. It's, right. like it's behind another door. You just got to open a door and there it sits. I can go on for days like that, Charles. So <laughs> I don't know you can too. That's why I'm loving this conversation. So listeners out there, um, I'd love for Charles to unpack one last question here. What do you think the number one thing is holding people back from becoming their best selves or becoming the best in business or the best husbands or fathers or priests or, or truck drivers? Doesn't matter. Like what, what do you think is the number one thing holding them back? In one word, action. It's the courage to take action and yeah. the most successful people in the world I have learned make it they have a bias towards action and they take consistent imperfect action over and over and over again two millimeters a day that's right that's right I love it that is so good so if you're out there guys and you're and you're listening and you're like man I want to make a big change in my life or heck just a little one right to Charles' point, take action. I challenge you to those three things a day. Write down three things you're grateful for. Maybe you sit around your dinner table at the end of the night and you tell your family, what are you grateful for today? What was the best part of your day? Share it. And the crazy thing is you're going to start looking for those things. And if you want to really level up and do the baller version, do 10 a day and you can't repeat. Just do that yep. for a week, two weeks and see what happens. I can't Stress that enough. See what happens. Your mind will change. Just like going to the gym, you want to build muscle, you want stronger legs, stronger biceps, nicer ass, whatever. It doesn't matter. You go to the gym and you start working. You start to, you pain us first. And next thing you know, you start to see some results. Then you start hearing the results. It, it takes the work, the reps. This does not happen. You're not just born grateful. This is a muscle you need to build. So Charles, any other thoughts you want to bestow on our listeners here? I've absolutely treasured our last 46 minutes together. <laughs> I, I, I could go... I could go on and on and on. We're just barely scratching the surface of all the different ways that people not only can create success in their life and in their business. And um, yeah, I would just say for right now, you know, focus in on the highlights of this conversation between understanding that, you know, uh, big people have big problems. Little people have little problems. That if you want to be a, be a bigger pro person, find a way to solve those bigger problems. And that comes from a place of serving. And then throughout that process, you're going to experience those challenges. You should be experiencing those challenges. If you want to play a bigger game, those challenges come with it. And so with that, to get through that, understand that every challenge comes with it and equal and opposite opportunity. So that brings us all the way back down to gratitude. Be grateful for that. And then as we concluded, we talked about having a bias towards action. Be willing to put yourself out there. Don't worry about everybody liking you. Don't worry about not, you know, falling flat on your face. Just focus in on the bigger purpose, the bigger reason for why you're doing, the bigger impact, the bigger value. You want to be the king of the jungle or the queen of the jungle? You want to be Darwin's survival of the fittest? Then... Find ways to add as much value as you can to the people around you. And you'll find that those people around you will conspire to help you become as successful as possible. Another mic drop. Love it. So I wish we had a button over here. I can make that sound. <laughs> anyway, so Charles, uh, if people listening out there, and I'm sure they are loving what you're talking about, how can they reach out to you? How can they get connected to you? What can you offer them? Like, how can they 
How can you help them get there? How can you serve with them? Sure. I mean, I would encourage everybody to you know, follow me on social media, Charles Godet. Uh, they can find me, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn or whatnot. And, you know, that's one way where we're constantly putting out content. Um, you can also learn more about the work that we do over at Predictable Profits. Uh, so that's predictableprofits.com. Um, and, you know, ultimately, if you're looking to start a business, see what it takes to, to create sustainable growth in the business. Uh, the, we just put out a brand new edition of my book, The Predictable Profits Playbook. Um, take a look at that for uh, whatever it is now, 16, 17 bucks over at Amazon. Uh, you probably yeah. find yourself getting a full college education um, with just that that one that one book alone. So uh, my intention again was, is to deliver as much value as possible, and you know, see if uh, see if I hold up my end of the bargain. Uh, just just with it. the book in and of itself. Well, I know what my next purchase is going to be right after this podcast. I'm going to go buy your book for sure. Read through it. Awesome. And your heart's in the right place. Your mind's in the right place. I'm loving this and I'm hoping the listeners are feeling that too. So guys, go out there and get the book. Follow him on Instagram. And if that resonates with you, reach out to him. I'm sure this man can help you on your journey. And, you know, I bet you could write, and I know I could too, volumes of books of the failures we've had. But I look back at those and I say, without those failures, we wouldn't be where we are right now. And I will continue to adopt, adapt, and embrace every single failure coming because I know it has a seed of something amazing in it. And without it, there's no seed. You can't plant without a seed, right? So, oh my goodness, you get me fired up here. Charles, this has been a <laughs> blessing to have you on here. I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you and I uh, hope to have you back on eventually as well. I, think I have great. a couple other things I'd love to dig into with you. That'd be great. Um, you're obviously a very successful man in every level of that and uh, a brilliant man as well. So thank you for coming on. Anybody out there listening, you know, you've heard what Charles has said today, grab his book. Get out there and get started. Take action. Don't worry about the failures. We're all failing. Every single one of us, we're failing. And uh, until next week, keep going at it.